0: (laughs) (laughs) I love your small group ideas. I I liked Donna's and I I, I liked Jeff's, you know, current events and moved on. But uh, Bobby and Jim win because they have dinner. (laughs) So, sorry everyone else, I will be with Bobby and Jim. So I do have something to teach, and um, I like to speak into churches on Sunday morning when possible because I know we get more people than we do the rest of the time, and and oftentimes the Lord will start to just give me things that He wants to sow into you as a body. I do have something that I am going to teach, and I promise to have you out of here by two. Because. You only get me once, but before I do that, I have a very short teaching that I felt like the Lord put in my heart for you guys, and it begins in Proverbs chapter 3. It says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding, for the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. So, I feel like the Lord for this place wants to elevate the position of the Holy Spirit in your midst. I feel like he wants you to pursue the Holy Spirit in a deeper way than you've ever pursued him before. You guys are so close to experiencing a breakthrough in this area. But it's going to take your willingness to go after the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, God made mankind male and female because... Maleness alone could not represent the fullness of God. It takes, when, when we come together in marriage, it's the male and the female together that most fully accurate, accurately uh, reflects God. Does that make sense to you? So here, the writer of Proverbs is talking about wisdom as a her. So what I want you to do is remove the her aspect to it, because it's non-gender actually. And understand that when Jesus said, lest I go, you cannot receive the comforter, that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is wisdom, is truth, and is a tree of life. Life is in the Spirit. You with me? Learning how to steward the spirit and the presence of God is at the core of you walking into the fullness of life. And when I say fullness of life, I don't mean all the things of the material world. I'm talking about the fullness of your soul being saturated with the presence of God. That's been a core value of the vineyard from day one is that we just love the presence of God. You know, that's our number one core value is the presence of God. So I just felt like the Lord wants to encourage you to go after the Holy Spirit in a deeper, fuller, more abandoned way. You're this close to moving into something. But it's going to be your hunger. So, you know, people, you hear people say, you know, you need to get hungry. You need to be hungry. Well, how do you do that? You learn how to stay in a place of rest in the presence of God. And the more you experience his presence, the more hungry you'll get for his presence. Does that make sense? I talked about this, I think, on Friday night, or maybe it was yesterday morning. So, <clears throat> learning how to steward the Spirit as a community is a really powerful thing. Because out of that, when the spirit starts to come and the weightiness of God comes, healing comes, deliverance comes, impartation comes. You can sit in a classroom and you can do all the stuff that Sockham offers, but it won't amount to much if you're not saturated in the spirit and walking in the spirit and sensitive to the spirit. So I think, I'm not saying you're not what I'm saying is there's more, okay? Saying there's more. And um, for those that are involved in worship, worship is about romance. God has invited us into this intimate dance with him that's expressed in worship, okay? Okay. I'm going to be a little sensitive here, but maybe not so much. Did you ever consider that man, kind, is the only species on the planet that procreates face-to-face? To face to face? You know why I believe? Because God wants a face-to-face relationship with us. And worship is where we come face-to-face with him. making space for him so i just want to encourage you in this next season to to really you know when you come together on sundays this power when you come together in community to worship and and again i don't want you to hear this wrong i'm not saying you're doing anything wrong i'm saying that there's more for you that there's more for you to be patient to wait on him does that make sense Okay, I want to make sure you hear me right. I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. I think God is really pleased with you. He wants to give you more. Good, let's stand up for a minute. <clears throat> yeah. Come Holy Spirit. We worship you, God. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you. We love you. Jesus, beautiful one of heaven, we worship you. We worship you. You are worthy. You are worthy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy God, come. Just right where you are right now, just begin to either externally or internally worship Him. Tell Him how you love Him. Tell Him how beautiful He is, how wonderful He is. He is the beautiful one of heaven. Be in your presence, God. you know this song just, I'm just gonna sing if you know it sing with me just the uh, chorus. So set a fire down in my soul I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you God. I want more of you God. So set a fire down in my soul. That I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you God. I want more of you God. To set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you God. I want more of you God. I want more, I want more. I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. Come and pour it out, pour it out. The Holy Spirit, I give you permission to just do as you please here today. Mm-hmm. Just do as you please. Whatever yes, is in your heart, whatever is joyful to you in this place, would you do it today? Yes, Lord. Lord, would you begin to activate? to go deeper, to go deeper in you, Lord, would you begin to give an impartation of uh, dialing down, God, learning how to just shut down and plug in? Just bless Jeff and Sally. Lord, give them the wisdom. uh, I just speak increase in the things of Holy Spirit to take this people deeper. 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 Just release the spirit of prophecy in this place. Let every wall, Lord, and every heart here that keeps your children from going into the depths of intimacy with you come down. In Jesus' name. Because the Lord doesn't want what your hands have to offer. He wants your hearts. He just wants your heart. Spirit and truth worship is not an intellectual thing. It's a heart thing. Everything in the kingdom goes from the heart to the head. In the world, it goes from the head to the heart. In the kingdom, it goes from the heart to the head. You first have to experience it in your heart before you gain the wisdom Oh, Lord, just bless what you're doing in this place. I pray that you would just increase even as I share your word. Just bless what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, you can sit down. See, I don't really want to speak unless I know the Holy Spirit's really rich and present, because I have nothing to give you. You know, He's all you need. Fall. The amazing thing about falling in love is just when you think you've fallen in love, you can fall more in love. It's all about romance. Religion makes it about works. It's all about romance. Why do you think we're the bride? The Lord doesn't want to give his son an institution. He wants to give his son a radiant, beautiful, passionate bride. The two key relationships that we're defined by is children and bride. Will forever be the children of God, and the bride of Christ. Think about how boring and what a bad father he would be to give his son, his only son, a boring, unattentive, cold-hearted bride. We're moving into a time where the Holy Spirit is jealous for the bride because we're growing near to the wedding day. And he wants to prepare a bride that's radiant and beautiful and passionate for the groom. A bride that is passionate for the groom as the groom is for the bride. I remember when I got married and my wife came through those doors And I saw her for the first time in a wedding dress that she hated (laughs) because it was not what she wanted, which is a whole other story. But I didn't see the wedding dress that she hated. I saw my beautiful bride. And And tears came out of my eyes. I'm not ashamed to admit it. And I turned to my brother and I said, oh, my gosh, she's beautiful. That's what Jesus is speaking over you. So you're stuck looking at all your scars and warts and you haven't realized that the Holy Spirit's done laser surgery on you. (laughs) And you just seize the beautiful bride. And and all too often, especially men, but but women also, because of the wounds in our life, we harden our heart. And when we come together to worship, we're present but not present. Because we're afraid or we don't know how to let the guards down and to actually be naked before God. In the garden, they were naked and unashamed. He's bringing us back to the garden. None of this was planned for me to talk to you about today. But I just feel the Lord on it. He's committed to bring you to a place of passion. Passion has nothing to do with the external look. Passion Is something we can't even explain. It's just something that's there that we feel it. But listen, you could feed passion, but not through your head, only through your heart. I'm going to keep coming back to you because some of you are living too much in your head. Even as I'm talking to you, you're trying to reason and comprehend intellectually what I'm saying and what I'm saying to you is not words to be understood but I'm conveying something in the spirit that you need to let your heart respond and receive does that make sense to you because the spirit of God the words that come from the spirit of God are life and truth they're not intellectual understanding because the kingdom of God is caught not taught It's something that you experience, and then out of that experience, it shifts your vision and your paradigm for the world, how you see things. We'll leave it at that for now. Okay, so the bad news is I'm not done. The good news is, I will be in 35 minutes or less. So if you want to read along with me, go to Ephesians chapter 1, because I'm going to teach you Ephesians chapter 1 through chapter 3 in 35 minutes or less. And I'm going to go really fast. Go. (laughs) Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things. Evidently, I was supposed to get up right now. (laughs) Good morning. (laughs) To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So let's rewind First, he chose you. We're going to personalize this. He chose you in him before he made anything. Before he created a thing, you were chosen to be in Christ. But not only that, it says in love that this was done out of love that you'd be predestined for adoption to sonship. So listen. Listen. This is what he's saying, that before God created anything, he, when he spoke out creation, before he did that, his intention was that in such a way he would speak creation that in the very fiber of creation, your predestination to be sons and daughters was set in place. So <clears throat> the one who said, let there be light, and there was light, said before that before i make anything i'm going to design creation so my sons and daughters will be mine and no one else can have them well if we understand this it starts to shift the way we see things because fear goes out the door because if he put it into the very fiber of creation so in other words. When the spoken word of God that came from the heart of God released and became the material universe in the context of everything that holds that together in physics is his love and his call and seal on you to be his. Hey, I'm not making this up. I didn't write this. (laughs) I wish I did. I'd still be getting royalties. But he says, I chose in him before the creation of the world. Some, some um, translations say before the foundation of the world. I mean, you might have that version. I happen to like that one better. Because to build something, you have to establish a foundation. So what he's saying is before he established that foundation, he had determined that you would be and I would be in his son and that we would be his children. And how many understand that predestined means for destiny? That it's your destiny. And how many of you understand that if God speaks it, it has to come to reality? Because if it doesn't, he's not God. If it doesn't, then it's chance. So what I'm saying to you is stop worrying. It's done. All you're doing is going through the paces of transformation to become the reality that was already established before he made anything. You're cooking in the oven, and you're just not quite done yet. (laughs) And it says here, though, this beautiful statement. Well, first of all, notice that it's in Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace. See, it's for his glory. You're gonna see, we're gonna wrap this up at the end in, in chapter three, and, and if I do a good job, you'll go whoa. But if I don't, we still go whoa, just so I can feel good about it. <laughs> I'll feel much better when I have my long drive home. But notice it says that this grace that he lavished on you. It's past tense. You see, he's already lavished grace on you he's already lavished upon your life the power and the importation of his kindness and love into your life to work as will. he's lavished it on you, past tense moving on it says in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So what Paul's doing is saying, listen, You were predestined to be sons and daughters. It came out of love. He's lavished it on you. And the proof of it is, is that you have the Holy Spirit in you. And if we understand the understanding of seal, think about a kingdom. When a king wrote a document and he put a seal on it, it was set. It could not be broken. But if we want to use language that we understand as a deposit guaranteeing, You know, when you put a deposit on the house, that house cannot be sold to someone else. You may not have possession of the house, but that's your house. Because that deposit guarantees that you get it. See, the Holy Spirit in you is the guarantee that you're going to end up right where God wants you to be, which is to be just like his son. Am I moving too fast? I really want you to get this because it's amazing and there's rest in it. That if you begin to understand that the end of your days have already been set in Christ, then you could rest and enjoy the journey. This does not, you know, some people might say, well, if it's that easy, then I can do whatever I want because I'm going to get there. Right? So I can just go sin, eat, drink, be merry, and do whatever I want. Well, you can, and you might get there, but it's going to be really horrible in the process. It's dumb to think that way because he has so much life for you. Hey, I smoked a lot of pot for a long time. Jesus is the best drug I ever had because he satisfies the soul. So then Paul prays probably one of the best prayers in all of the scripture. In verse 17, it says, I keep asking that the God of our Father, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. At his right hand in the heavenly realms. So first of all, I want you to take note that it says here, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Know the Father better. Now, I know that, We'll think well. He wants us to know Jesus better. Yes, you can't know the Father and not know Jesus. I mean, that's just the way it works. But Paul's drawing attention to this because he's speaking in context of the Spirit of adoption. Do you understand? He's talking about sonship, and he's saying that you would get to know the Father know, to know the Father more, because then you get hope. Because you start to recognize and understand and rest in the reality that you're his sons and daughters. Which is what Jesus came to reveal to us. Because when you know who the father is and who you are in relationship to him. And you start to put this thing together that you were predestined before God made anything to be his sons and daughters. And that he's given you the Holy Spirit as a seal guaranteeing that it that, that outcome will be Resolve that now there's hope. Now you begin to walk into the inheritance. And listen, you get the inheritance in part now. Well, no, you don't get the inheritance until after someone dies. Well, Jesus died. And you died in him. So you get the inheritance. A measure of it at the very least. We're now not yet. So what does that mean? We get all the blessings of heaven to some measure now, and I would propose to you that you have something to do with how much that you experience based on you resting in him, walking in faith, walking in hope, knowing he loves you in all circumstances because it's what Jesus says, seek first my righteousness and his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. You with me? So you see, your response to this truth in your trials, releases heaven or not, because God's already released the inheritance. Now, the ultimate part of that inheritance is the resurrected body, which, as I mentioned, I'm really looking forward to because I'll eat and not get fat, and I'm hopefully have hair back. <laughs> but the best part is I get to walk through walls. I don't have to say "Beam me up, Scotty," because I can just go. Let's go have lunch on Mars. Chapter 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following to the desire, its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming age ages, notice ages. I always think that's that's interesting. Yeah. We don't know what's coming. Bible doesn't tell the whole story. God raised up and seated him in heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us. So let's step back, look at verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead. Alive is past tense. He goes on to reinforce this by saying, it's by grace you have been saved. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. You see, you are already positioned in Christ, enthroned. You get what I'm saying to you? So because we live in a now, not yet, and we're in a transition stage, we aren't experiencing the fullness of that reality, but it doesn't diminish that reality. It's just our experience of it is hindered because we're in the now, not yet. Are you with me? So our role is to reach up into heaven and reach up into that reality and pull it down to earth. And to the measure that we walk in faith and the measure that we walk in agreement with God and live in that place of hope, it's to that measure that we start to see heaven invade earth. And we all see it differently. Like I minister, one of my friends, Brian Blount, Brian Blount sees way more physical healing than, than I see. I mean, and we see a good, no, a good amount of physical healing. But Brian sees a lot more physical healing, and I know people that see even more than Brian. But I was with Brian one time, and I said, you yeah, know, Brian, I really wanna see more. I mean, we see legs grow, we've seen artific- you know, we've seen um, prosthetics with limited range of motion, get full range of motion, which medically is supposed to happen in these cases. We've seen spines straighten out. We've seen all sorts of, of things. Cancer immediately driven out of people's bodies. But Brian sees more of that. But the one thing, excuse me, Brian said, he said, Phil, but I don't see the inner healing, you see. You see, because we all carry something. And one is not more than the other, but we all have the capacity to draw something that's in heaven to earth. And we can do that because we're already seated in Christ in heavenly realms, in heavenly places. Now, the thing, though, is is this. Is that it talks about in order. Let me just go back. It says about the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's Satan. He rules over the atmosphere. Of this place. An atmosphere that we're called to shift. But that atmosphere is one of doubt. Fear. Anxiety. Hopelessness. So. We have been empowered to displace that atmosphere, right? And in order for us to do that, we have to rest in this word. It says, not by works that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork. The Greek word is poema. And it actually, more properly, should be translated masterpiece. So And then the word works that we think means doing stuff actually is the word ergon, and it means energy. So what he's saying here is, for you are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to release good energy. Shifting atmospheres of the kingdom of darkness. Now, we do that certainly by feeding the poor. Those are all valid things. Those works are valid things. You know, it's, the other day, I was praying about a teaching I did in another church, and the Lord reminded me that in John 3, he talks about, you know, that where the, the children of the Spirit basically go, that nobody knows where they come and go. They're like the wind, right? And that word is pneuma which means breath, spirit, or wind. And what the Lord was saying to me in that state is, is that you can't see the wind. You can only feel the wind, and you can hear the wind as the wind interacts with things around you, right? Like, you know, hey, it's getting windy out. Maybe you're standing on the side of a building, and you're not feeling the wind, but you can hear the leaves. So the wind's blowing, you say, oh, it's, it's getting windy out because you hear it. Well, it's the same with us. As we start to move and to do these things, okay, we're actually releasing the wind of the Spirit. And we do that through our natural works, our good works, but we also do that as we carry the Spirit and release the kingdom dynamically. Okay, signs and wonders are the ministry of the kingdom of God because it identifies for people to see that the Spirit is doing something. Otherwise, how do they know? that we're anything other than everybody else. Go join the Rotary Club. But it's because when they look at the people of God doing the stuff, they can see the wind of the Spirit interacting on people, and they can identify, oh, it's getting windy here. You with me? So the idea that we can convert the world without power is ridiculous. George Eldon Lance said in his book, The Gospel of the Kingdom, that there's no more obvious demonstration of kingdom conflict with darkness than deliverance. When the power of God hits a demonic influence, something's going to give. And it's undeniable when it happens. So moving on down. Move down to verse 14. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. He's talking about Jew and Gentile. dividing the wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its command and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace and one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So through Christ, by the spirit, you have access to the Father. I bet when you read this you never quite saw how much the Father is in this. So in verse 19, it says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, members members of his family, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are the very dwelling place of God. <coughs> Think about this. Psalms tells us that God inhabits or is enthroned upon the praises of his people. Jesus said, a day will come and has now come when, you, when my people will worship me in spirit and truth. The altar of worship is now inside you and me. It's the place where the presence of God is exalted and is allowed to move freely and transform us to be like Jesus. So I'm going to end with chapter 3 here, and this is amazing. Starting in verse 2, it says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Which was not made known to people in other generations, and has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophet prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in in Christ Jesus. So, before this, right, he's writing to he's a Jew, writing from a Jewish perspective, and he's saying that before this, the Jewish people were the chosen people. But now he's saying that now he's brought Jew and Gentile together. So he's presenting this great big picture that's around mankind, not just a select group of mankind. And, and I'm not what they call a replacement theologist. So, in other words, I don't think the church replaced uh, Israel. I still believe Israel has promises that are yet to be fulfilled. You can disagree with me, but that's okay. You could be wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ Jesus. Now listen, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. So he's saying here that there is this mystery that was kept hidden. Understand, a mystery is simply something that's not yet been revealed. Okay, So he's saying there was a revelation that had not yet been revealed that now, is being revealed and this is the mystery that it was God's intention from the beginning that through the church through his family it says many wisdom I like multifaceted wisdom that's another translation multifaceted wisdom of God should be made known to who rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord so when I think of faceted, think of a diamond diamond has facets right and, and the clearer, the more pure the diamond is, the cleaner the cuts of the facets. When you rotate it, it reflects the light, right? So a long time ago, the Lord gave me a picture, and the picture was him. Actually, it was us, I should say. And the picture was like this huge gem that had millions of facets cut into it. And as the gem turned, it released all different kinds of color and light and so forth. And the Lord brought me t- and reflected on this. And he said a couple of things to my heart. He said, first of all, my people need many facets in order to fully reveal who I am. Because each of them reflect an aspect unique of who I am that only they can reflect. So when, when you think about, like, colors, you know, If we're really boring, we see blue. But if we're not really boring, we see thousands and shades of blue, right? And blue that go into blue-green and so forth. So he's saying here, listen, he's saying that God had a plan and that his intention was that there's something about him that he's going to reveal through his children that even angels don't understand. That there's something that he has planned that is so unique to his relationship with us, that is so integral to revealing who he is, that he's designed it in such a way that it can only be done in relation with him. And angels who have been with him with for eons will go back and go, whoa. That's amazing because of the way he's loved us, formed us, and caused us to respond to him and the fact that we carry him. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that's that's amazing. And how do I know that? It's personally in that because look what he goes to from there. He says, for this reason, for this reason, because of this intention to reveal something of himself that the rest of creation has not seen yet, which is a pretty crazy statement. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that you may dwell in your hearts, so Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to all the fullness of Christ. So he's saying that he's praying. Now understand when an apostle prays, it's not like, Lord, I hope you do this. It's not like I've had a really good idea. Can I pray and ask you if it's your will? If you might please, I think it would be really good. I, you know, I really do. I and mean, you made me like like you. So I mean, I do have a good idea every now and then. When an apostle prays, he's foretelling out of the Spirit what God has already determined to do. Because he's made us and created us in such a way that he wants us to partner with him in speaking the reality of heaven into this place. So when he says, first of all, he identifies us with the father. He identifies us as family with him as the father. And then he goes on to say that I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's where I said to you, the kingdom is in the heart. It's in the soul, and then it goes to the head. If we're living in our head, trying to figure out how to do this in our head, we're in trouble. We're never going to get it because the kingdom is in the heart. It's in the inner man. It's in the soul. It's in the spirit rising up. But he says, I also pray that you being rooted and established. Okay, rooted and established. That's a redundancy to make a point. He's saying, I'm praying that this will be so rock solid in you, so firmly established in you, that it'd be unshakable, and that is love. And that when that is rooted and established in you, you will have power with all God's people to grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, and then what? That you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of Christ. All the fullness of Christ. Paul isn't saying here that when you're resurrected, you would be filled to all the fullness of Christ. He's saying here, I pray that in this life, you would come to know the love of the Father so profoundly, so wide and deep and long, that it would transform you to be just like Jesus. Now, that seems like an impossibility because we look in the mirror and we see the stuff we wrestle with. And it is if it depended on us, but we go back and we remember he predestined that you would be sons and and daughters. So it's actually a done deal. The timer's on, and the turkey's not fully cooked yet is all. The Lord gave me a word years ago. <clears> he <throat> gave me a picture of a big fat turkey in an oven. And he said to me, you're a big fat turkey. I'm like, that's not very nice, Lord. And I wasn't big then either. I was thin. So it was like, I don't know, maybe that was prophecy. <laughs> and he asked me, what happens if, a big fat turkey comes out of the oven too soon. I said, a lot of people get sick. He said, yeah, the bigger the turkey, the longer you cook. So some of you may be big fat turkeys. But you're not done yet. You haven't reached the end yet. You see, the wonderful thing about the kingdom of God and the children of God, the best is still to come. However good today is, The best is still to come. We can always be looking for more, betterer stuff. Because the best is still yet to come. If you turn around and raise the dead today, that's really, really good. The best is still yet to come. Right? So what I want you to walk away with from this is for you to be able to understand and rest in the reality that Before God made anything, he left nothing to chance. He determined that you would be his and that nothing would take you out of his hand. Not only did he determine that you would be his and nothing would take you out of his hand, he determined that through your life he would receive glory because of the way he loves you and the way you will respond to him even if you're not responding to him yet. Because, you know, he, he doesn't look at time the way we do. You know, he doesn't look and say, uh-oh, this, what's today's date? August 28th, I'm running out of time. <laughs> Jeff, we got to get a move on, dude. We're running out <laughs> of time. I just hope we'll get there. He knows what he's doing in your life. And, and understand that, that every trial you go through, first of all, I don't believe trials and tribulation are from God. I, I could be wrong. But I don't believe trials and tribulations are his purpose or his plan. In other words, he doesn't want to bring dark days into you. We live in a broken, fallen world, but he is very intentional about taking those dark days and bringing glory out of it. So he will use those trials and tribulations. And you look at Job, and we, we missed something in Job where Job actually brought, you ready for this? Job brought that on himself. I forget what chapter it is. was. It chapter two, Dan, three. three. Job says, "The very thing I feared has now come. Yeah. Fear is faith for what you don't want." So Job brought upon himself the very thing he feared because he was so focused on the fear. And in the process, listen. In the process, God destroys the fear so he can can elevate Job and give him a double portion. (laughs) God is always about promoting you. He's always about giving you more. There's no glory for God to have you diminish or to become less. That's not in his heart because he wants you to look just like Jesus. So when you're going through hard times, and those hard times can last a really long time. Will you choose to believe that God will bring good out of it that will be eternal for you? Because I'd rather suffer here for a little while and have glory forever. Let's stand up. And just for the record, the actual teaching part of that was 34 minutes and 28 <laughs> seconds. Jeff, can we, can we move this? Yeah. Okay. Dan, you want to share your word? Yeah. I might be Dan, but that's Dan the man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lord, would you come? Before you go, I've been looking for you for a long time. <laughs> You know, I wish I you had that on before. That I would have known you're the man. <laughs> <laughs>